Hi, thank you for being here today. For the first time in history, enlightenment is available to all of us. I believe so many folks today are ready to experience enlightenment. I also believe that folks would like to experience more good and less bad along the way to enlightenment. If that describes you, well then welcome to the Kate T. Benson podcast where I, your host, Kate T. Benson, provide straightforward, actionable information about achieving enlightenment and experiencing more good and less bad along the way. The focus of this podcast in general is helping folks reach enlightenment and experience a whole lot more good and a whole lot less bad along the way to enlightenment. And so my goal for the first three episodes was to create a super simple set of instructions for experiencing enlightenment and for experiencing a whole lot more good and a whole lot less bad along the way. So if you're interested in experiencing enlightenment, definitely check out the third episode. Our focus in the last episode was on the ego and our ego-based storyline which is the story that you tell yourself and others about who you are. Meaning when you say, I am this, or I am that, like I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, that's your ego-based storyline. And the ego is the part of you that comes up with that story. And I also talked about how we want to move beyond the ego because it's actually where the idea comes from that we're not good enough. And how when we're living according to our ego-based storyline, we're basically always fighting against ourselves. So the ego is a part of your identity. And the focus of the current episode is on another part of your identity called the Yehida self. The super simple one-sentence summary of the Yehida self is that the Yehida self is our true self. And so today I'm going to talk about how we can reorient ourselves away from our ego-based storyline and instead orient around our Yehida self. But first, since both the ego and the Yehida self are a part of our identity, first we'll need a little background on identity. So in the first episode, I mentioned that I did my master's at A&M focused on identity and that out of the hundreds of thousands of pages I've read on the nature of identity, the best way I've come up with to summarize it is that your identity is all the answers that you can come up with to the Cheshire Cat's question to Alice in Alice in Wonderland. You remember that? The Cheshire Cat asks Alice, who are you? And I suggested that grown-up Alice might say, oh, who are we? Well, we're a partnered mother researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. The takeaway being that all of those things, being a partner, a mother, a researcher, a part-time firefighter, and a stamp collector, are all a part of Alice's identity. That each one is a part of Alice's sense of self, or what it means to Alice to be Alice. I also gave a little background in the first episode on some ways of thinking about identity from psychology and business and spirituality. So from psychology, your identity, according to William James, who was a true founder of psychology, your identity is made up of the I and the me. 
And a super simple one sentence summary of identity, according to James, is that identity is the collection of stories that we tell ourselves about who we are. And then I talked about Eric Erickson, a more modern founder who thought that identity is the result of a developmental process. And that we try on social roles until we find a sense of identity that's perfectly fitted for us. And social roles are Alice's list of being a partnered mother, researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. And so a super simple one-sentence summary of identity, according to Erickson, is basically that your identity is all the answers that you can come up with to the Cheshire Cat's question, who are you? And then I mentioned personal brand, which is a way of thinking about identity from outside of psychology and more modern. And I said that personal brand is not so much the social roles you fill, like being a researcher or a stamp collector, but the personal style you bring when filling those roles. For instance, perhaps you value being kind. And so being kind is a part of the personal style that you would bring when filling the social role of being a partner or a researcher or a stamp collector. And then in the fourth episode, I introduced some background on the ego, which is another way of thinking about identity. But the way that I'm describing it is more so the descriptions that are used when folks are talking about the ego in the spiritual landscape, as opposed to psychology. So in psychology, if you mention the ego, you're generally talking about Freud and the superego and the id and stuff like that. But for our purposes here, when I say the ego, I'm referring to the personal I and the ego-based storyline, which is the story that you tell yourself and others about who you are. Meaning when you say, I am this or I am that, like I'm a doctor or I'm a lawyer, that's your ego-based storyline. And the ego is the part of you that comes up with that story. And so that's a little summary on the background of ways to think about identity from psychology and business and spirituality and a little bit about the ego. And that's all the background that we need for today on identity. But we also need a little background on reframing identity. And that was the focus in the second and third episodes, specifically how reframing our identity means one thing if our end goal is enlightenment, and it means something else if our end goal is experiencing more good and less bad along the way to enlightenment. If you're curious about reaching enlightenment, definitely check out that third episode. But today we're going to talk more about the second episode, which was focused on reframing our identity to experience more good and less bad along the way to enlightenment. Okay, so reframing our identity to experience more good and less bad along the way to enlightenment. In a nutshell, it just means changing our answers to the Cheshire Cat's question. So the Cheshire Cat asks Alice, who are you? And we've imagined that grown-up Alice answers, describing themselves in terms of a bunch of social roles. I'm a partnered mother, researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. So on the surface, reframing Alice's identity would simply mean changing one or more of the answers that Alice gave to the Cheshire Cat. So in episode two, I gave the example where Maybe Alice decides that Alice doesn't want to be a firefighter anymore. Or maybe Alice decides that Alice wants to fight a different kind of fire than the ones that Alice has been fighting. 
Alice has been fighting city fires, and now Alice wants to fight forest fires. And if that's the case, then Alice has to do the work of figuring out how to fight forest fires. And Alice has to do this work because Alice knows in the end that forest fires are the ones that Alice really wants to fight. And if we press Alice about why they haven't tried to fight forest fires before, they might say that a lot of people want to fight those kinds of fires. And it's really competitive. And deep down, they've been a little afraid that maybe they're not good enough. So on the surface, reframing identity is about changing the answers that Alice gave to the Cheshire Cat's question. But underneath, it's about doing the outer and the inner work that Alice needs to do. The outer work is straightforward stuff, like figuring out how to do a job transfer. But the inner work is about Alice knowing that they're good enough to be able to fight those fires. And so this is really important. I want to be clear that I'm not saying that Alice has more work to do in order to be good enough. I'm saying that Alice has work to do to reframe their identity in terms of their thinking of themselves. And specifically, the reframe that needs to occur is a shift from a place where Alice is filled with self-doubt to one where Alice's center is an absolute assuredness that they're good enough. So where does the idea come from that we're not good enough? Well, it comes from the ego. So about the ego. At the outset, I mentioned that our ego or our ego-based storyline is the personal story that we tell ourselves and others about who and what we are, like I'm a doctor or we're a lawyer, and also about what we're thinking or how we're feeling, like we're tired or sad. And that's all true, but that's only the basic outline. And the rest of your ego-based storyline mostly comes from what you hear all the time, meaning the incessant monologue in your head. And it sounds something like, I'm better than so-and-so, I'm smarter than he is, I'm not as good as they are, I'm not as good as I should be, she's right, he's wrong. And on it goes. And the reason for this monologue, you see, is that the ego is basically using echolocation like a whale. So in echolocation, a whale bounces sound waves off nearby objects to know where it is in the water. And that's what the ego is doing, except instead of sound waves, it's just comparing itself to everyone and everything around it. And that's exactly how our ego maintains its sense of itself pretty much every moment of every day. It just narrates that echolocation out loud, which you hear as an internal monologue pretty much every moment of every day. So how do we get space from the ego? Well, our ego-based storyline is the story that we tell ourselves about who we are. Like when Alice says, I'm a partnered mother researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. And there's this thing that happens when we're like Alice, working on changing our answers to the Cheshire Cat's question. So Alice has just said, I'm a partnered mother researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. But then Alice says that they wanted to fight a different kind of fire which is essentially changing their answers to the Cheshire Cat's question. 
And so it's when we start changing answers that we start to have this realization that we're changing our ego-based storyline, which is our identity, but that who we are fundamentally is staying the same. So when we keep changing the answers to the Cheshire Cat's question, there's this aha moment of, aha, we keep changing our answers, but we don't change. Aha, I'm different, but I'm not a different person. Fundamentally, who I am remains the same. Now, my sense of who I am might be a little different, a little shinier, a little more uh, forest fire than city fire. But Alice's sense of who Alice is fundamentally, it's the same. And I actually created a program called Experiencing Enlightenment. It's a series of guided exercises that walk folks through this process of creating space between you and your ego-based storyline. The exercises are about exploring different answers to the Cheshire Cat's question. It was designed to take folks all the way to enlightenment, but it makes creating space between you and your ego a breeze. Increasing space between you and your ego is basically unavoidable from doing these exercises, and they're really simple. It's priced at only $17, so if you're interested, check it out. There are links below. The Experiencing Enlightenment program will help create space between you and your ego, but Alice's inner work still requires an absolute assuredness that they're good enough. So the next question is, well, where does this absolute assuredness come from? And that absolute assuredness comes from our Yehida self. So Yehida is an ancient secret from Kabbalistic Jewish mysticism. And the basic idea is that a part of you, a part of your soul, is rooted in the creator, literally. Pause for a moment to consider just what an amazing idea this is. The idea that your soul is actually rooted in God. A super simple one-sentence summary for your Yehida self is that your Yehida self is your true self. And your true self, the part of you that's rooted in the creator, it has a voice. And that voice is called the Yehida script. And this means that there is a voice within you that is available to you right now that is the voice of your true self. So the ego worries a lot about what others think and about not being as good as others because the ego only sees itself in comparisons, meaning it only knows how to be better than or worse than or how to fight to protect its sense of itself. And that's how it teaches us to operate with the world around us. And it's also how it teaches us to operate within ourselves, meaning that it makes us turn against ourselves. So as a result, we're always comparing ourselves to others or seeing ourselves in these self-comparison contrasts. I should be this. I should be that. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. But our Yehida self, our true self, the part of us that's rooted in God, that part of us is not worried about whether it's as good as others. It's not worried about what others think. 
And our Yahida self does have its own storyline, but entirely separate from the ego. And that storyline is the story about you that's told by the part of you that's actually rooted in God. And what that means is that the Yahida script is your storyline, but from the part of you that knows exactly who you are and exactly what you're here to do. And so here's the thing about the Yahida script. So the ego-based storyline runs constantly in the background. But a way to think about the Yahida script is that it's like a pre-recorded script. So whereas the ego is live, and the ego is live because it isn't anything in and of itself, it's just echoing what it sees around it. But Yahida is like a pre-recorded script, meaning, okay, it was made before you were born. And it's basically a description of what you look like as a unique snowflake, meaning the life that you are here to live and the work that is for you and you alone. So it's a description of your unique potential, which is where your sense of meaning and purpose come from. So when you get space from your ego, it becomes possible to reorient your sense of who you are around your Yahida self. And when you do, it feels like getting plugged back in, <laughs> like you've been running on low batteries, but now you're charging to full power. There is so much energy and excitement because you know who you are and what you're here to do. And from that, you feel this sense of meaning and purpose, and you feel empowered and ready to go, ready to be the unique snowflake doing the life's work that is for you and you alone. And you can have all of this, this incredible sense of purpose and the sense of meaning that comes with it. And all you have to do to get started is get some space from your ego. So to summarize a little bit, the absolute assuredness that we're good enough comes from our Yahida self. And Yahida is our true self. It's the part of us that's rooted in God, the part of us that is not worried about whether it's as good as others or about what others think. And our Yahida self does have its own storyline entirely separate from the ego. And that storyline is the story that is told by the part of you that's actually rooted in God. And what that means is that the Yehida script is your storyline, but from the part of you that knows exactly who you are and exactly what you're here to do. And so when we reorient around our Yehida self, we transform from orienting from a place of ego where we're living in these comparison contrasts worried about what others think and whether we're good enough. And instead, when we revolve around our Yahida self, we revolve around a center of an absolute assuredness that we're good enough. And we know exactly who we are and exactly what we're here to do. So there are these two options, right? The ego and the Yahida self. And we can choose to follow our Yahida script or our ego-based storyline. And the ego-based storyline is one of comparisons. And even when it says that you're better than someone else, 
it still basically says that you're not good enough. But the Yehida self, it knows exactly who you are and what you're really here to do. And it knows that you're good enough to do it. And if you want that, all you have to do is get enough space between you and your ego so that you can start to hear your Yehida self. But here's the thing. Choosing your Yehida script over your ego-based storyline, that can be really hard, especially at the outset. The reason being that fundamentally, I'm asking you to choose your Yehida self, which means this idea that you are absolutely good enough. But if we're operating from our ego-based storyline, the primary assumption has been that we're not good enough. So it's kind of like I'm asking y'all to see the world in rose-colored glasses when you're currently wearing blue frames. So really what I'm asking for is a big trust fall. To trust the idea that maybe there's more that you're here to do. That maybe you do have a unique potential. That maybe there's something only you are here to be and do. And that when we tap into that, that there is way more meaning and more purpose waiting for us. And that is what I know to be the truth. And so I'm asking that y'all take this big trust fall. And the way to begin is to start to work to create space between you and your ego-based storyline. Because with your Yehida self, you're finally born to who you really are. So when you're ready, and I hope y'all are, the Experiencing Enlightenment program will help you gain space from y'all's ego-based storyline. And I also created a guided meditation, which is all about being able to experience the quiet that results when the ego goes quiet. Oprah has described it in incredibly positive terms. It's been used for thousands of years by folks who are trying to achieve enlightenment. And it'll help with that. But it's really perfect for strengthening the connection with your Yehida self. So again, first you need space from your ego. And the Experiencing Enlightenment program will basically make that a breeze. And then you need to increase the connection with your Yehida self. And the guided meditation I created called the Practicing Nature Meditation is perfect for strengthening the connection with your Yehida self. And there are links to both below. So the heart of today's show, super simple one sentence summary time, is that the ego and our ego-based storyline is where the idea comes from that we're not good enough. And that when we get space from our ego, we can begin to strengthen the connection with our Yehida self, which is our true self. And then we can finally know who we really are and what we're here to do. And when we reorient around our Yehida self, we not only feel like we're good enough, but we feel full of meaning and purpose and self-improvement becomes a total breeze. And since the ego and Yehida are both a part of identity, first today I gave some background on identity. 
So for background on identity, I mentioned that I did my master's at A&M focused on identity and that out of the hundreds of thousands of pages I've read on the nature of identity, the best way I've come up with to summarize it is that your identity is all the answers that you can come up with to the Cheshire Cat's question to Alice in Alice in Wonderland, where the Cheshire Cat asks Alice, who are you? And I suggested that grown-up Alice might say, oh, who are we? Well, we're a partnered mother researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. The takeaway being that all of those things, being a partner, a mother, a researcher, a part-time firefighter, and a stamp collector, are all a part of Alice's identity. And that each one is a part of Alice's sense of self or what it means to Alice to be Alice. And I also gave a little background on some ways of thinking about identity from psychology and business and spirituality. So from psychology, your identity, according to William James, who's a true founder of psychology, identity is made up of the I and the me. And a super simple one sentence summary of identity, according to James, is that identity is the collection of stories we tell ourselves about who we are. And then I talked about Eric Erickson, a more modern founder, who thought that identity is the result of a developmental process, and that we try on social roles until we find a sense of identity that's perfectly fitted for us. And social roles are Alice's list of being a partnered mother, researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. Each one of those is a social role. And so a super simple one-sentence summary of identity, according to Erickson, is basically that your identity is all the answers that you can come up with to the Cheshire Cat's question, who are you? And then I mentioned personal brand, which is a way of thinking about identity from outside of psychology and more modern. And I said that personal brand is not so much the social roles you fill, like being a researcher or a stamp collector, but the personal style you bring when filling those roles. For instance, perhaps you value being kind. And so being, being kind is a part of the personal style that you would bring when filling the social role of being a partner or a researcher or a stamp collector. And then I mentioned the ego. And at the outset, I mentioned that our ego and our ego-based storyline is the personal story that we tell ourselves and others about who we are, like I'm a doctor or we're a lawyer as well as what we're thinking or how we're feeling, like we're tired or sad. And that's all true, but that is only the basic outline. And the rest of your ego-based storyline mostly comes from what you hear all the time, meaning the incessant monologue in your head, which sounds something like, I'm better than so-and-so, I'm smarter than he is, and I'm not as good as they are, and I'm not as good as I should be. She's right, he's wrong, and so on. And the reason for this monologue, you see, is that the ego is basically using echolocation, like a whale. So in echolocation, a whale bounces sound waves off nearby objects to know where it is in the water. And that's what our ego is doing, except instead of sound waves, it's just comparing itself to everyone and everything around it. And that's exactly how our ego maintains its sense of itself pretty much every moment of every day. And it just narrates that echolocation out loud, which you hear as an internal monologue pretty much every moment of every day. And that was all the background that we needed for today on identity. 
And then to talk about generating space from the ego, we also needed a little background about reframing identity. So reframing identity, super simple one sentence summary, it just meant changing our answers to the Cheshire Cat's question. So the Cheshire Cat asks Alice, who are you? And we imagine that grown-up Alice answers describing themselves in terms of a bunch of social roles. I'm a partnered mother, researcher, part-time firefighting stamp collector. So on the surface, reframing identity is about changing the answers that Alice gave to the Cheshire Cat's question. But underneath, it's about doing the outer and inner work that Alice needs to do. And Alice said they knew they wanted to fight a different type of fire. So the outer work is straightforward stuff like figuring out how to do a job transfer. But the inner work is ultimately about the absolute assuredness that we're good enough. It's about Alice knowing that they're good enough to be able to fight the types of fires that Alice really wants to fight. And then I talked about how that inner work of knowing that we're good enough, how it turns out to be a little bit more complicated because of our ego. And how when we're orienting from our ego and our ego-based storyline that knowing that we're good enough, it isn't possible because that's the nature of the ego. It only ever sees things in comparisons and it will only ever tell us that we might be better than so-and-so, but we're still not good enough. But the absolute assuredness that we're good enough, that comes from our Yehida self. And Yehida is our true self. It's the part of us that's rooted in God. And that part is not worried about whether it's as good as others or about what others think. Our Yehida self does have its own storyline, entirely separate from the ego. And that storyline is the story about you that's told by the part of you that's actually rooted in God. And what that means is that the Yehida script is your storyline, but from the part of you that knows exactly who you are and exactly what you're here to do. And so when we reorient around our Yehida self, we transform from orienting from a place of ego, where we're living in these comparison contrasts, worried about what others think and whether we're good enough. And instead, when we revolve around our Yehida self, we revolve around a center of an absolute assuredness that we're good enough. And we know exactly who we are and exactly what we're here to do. And then I talked about how there are these two options, right? The ego and the Yehida self. And that we can choose to follow our Yehida script or our ego-based storyline. And the ego-based storyline is one of comparisons. Even when it says you're better than someone else, it still basically says that you're not good enough. But the Yehida self, it knows exactly who you are and exactly what you're really here to do. And it knows that you're good enough to do it. And if you want that, all you have to do is get enough space between you and your ego so that you can start to hear your Yehida self. But here's the thing. Choosing your Yehida script over your ego-based storyline, that can be really hard especially at the outset. The reason being that fundamentally I'm asking you to choose your Yehida self, which means this idea that you are absolutely good enough. But if we're operating from our ego-based storyline, then the primary assumption has been that we're not good enough. 
So it's kind of like I'm asking y'all to see the world in rose-colored glasses when you're currently wearing blue frames. So really what I'm asking for is a big trust fall, just to trust the idea that maybe there is more that you're here to do, that maybe you do have a unique potential, that maybe there's something that only you are here to be and do, and that maybe when we tap into that, that there is way more meaning and more purpose waiting for us. And that is what I know to be the truth. And so I'm asking that y'all take this big trust fall. And the way to begin is to start to work to create space between you and your ego-based storyline. Because with your Yahida self, you're finally born to who you really are. So when you're ready, and I hope y'all are, the Experiencing Enlightenment program will help you gain space from the ego. It's a series of guided exercises that walk folks through this process of creating space between you and your ego. And the exercises are about exploring different answers to the Cheshire Cat's question. And it was designed to take folks all the way to enlightenment, but it makes creating space between you and your ego the breeze. Increasing space between you and your ego is basically unavoidable from doing these exercises. And they're really simple. So if you're interested, check it out. There are links below. And I also created a guided meditation, which is all about being able to experience the quiet that results when the ego goes quiet. Oprah has described it in incredibly positive terms. It's been used for thousands of years by folks who are trying to achieve enlightenment. And it's really perfect for strengthening the connection with your Yahida self. So again, first you need to create space from your ego and the Experiencing Enlightenment program will basically make that a breeze. And then you need to increase the connection with your Yahida self. And the guided meditation I created, which is called the Practicing Nature Meditation, that is perfect for strengthening the connection with your Yahida self. And there are links to both below. And that was what we talked about today. Thank you for being here today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're curious, you can learn more about me and sign up for my newsletter at kate-t-benson.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kate T. Benson, and you can subscribe on YouTube. And there is also a developing Kate T. Benson community on Facebook. I also accept and am so very grateful for my listeners' support. If you're able, you can support the show. There are links on my website in the product pages. Thank you so much for your time. I see you. I appreciate you. Until next time. Namaste.